Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. You know, every week I'm always saying how I find another amazing heart-centered leader. And some of the beautiful heart-centered leaders over the last year that I've met and created beautiful relationships with have referred me to other leaders who they felt should be on the podcast. And that is certainly the case today. So I want to introduce you to Wendy Hill. She's from the UK. So we're going to get that beautiful accent of hers for the next 30 minutes, which I could listen to all day. And Wendy came to me via Danny Seviker, who I had earlier on in the year in the podcast. They are friends, they are colleagues. And what they have in common is the background of owning a family business for decades. So when you talk to Wendy and you ask her about entrepreneurship, she's quick to laugh and tell you that she's never really had a proper job. So Wendy Hill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here today. Well, it's a delight for me and I, my family's from the UK and I really miss hearing the accent and I know you're saying, well, Deb, you're the one with the accent on this call, <laughs> fellow podcaster. So thank you for your time today. And I'm excited to dig in and have a great chat to you about heart-centered leadership and just a little bit about your leadership trajectory. So if you're ready, I'm ready to dig in. Yeah, let's go. Now, you come from a background of being in a family business, and that, that's a whole other podcast in itself. Oh, yeah. I know you did that for almost three decades. My first leadership question, Wendy, is share with us the shift from exiting a family business to being an entrepreneur now on your own and really focusing on nutrition and health and wellness, where did that stem from or derive from? And was there a personal notion in that that kind of gave you a gentle nudge? Great. Yeah. So yes, I think so. I um, It's interesting because the business was a fledgling business when, when I joined it. So it wasn't like it was a, an established business to start with. And I've had to re- re-remember if you like those skills that that helped build that business initially because as you grow you know your job changes and you become much more management level so that's been an interesting thing for me but yeah I think I I realized that the building trade wasn't serving me and wasn't kind of I, I wasn't in love with it anymore I felt like something was missing and you spend a lot of your day working and I was fortunate enough to be able to exit the business and my lovely husband said to me uh, take some time think about what you want to do don't jump into anything else you know you've been defined by this business for so many years take some time off so I uh, started a home massive home renovation project and signed up for a nutrition course because that that's my idea of taking things easy. And the nutrition was um, kind of a bit of a project, really. I'd always been 
interest I love food I'm a huge foodie so that's you know my always come from food but I I was always really interested in how food fueled us and I could see in my previous business I could see how some some people had that kind of afternoon slump you know I've got lots of customers who who come in with I don't know if you have do you have Red Bull over there I think it's quite a kind of yeah we do yeah and it's one of my pets I hate the smell of it and I'd see them come in and I'd see you know I was there for for quite a long time so I'd see the progression from these young guys who maybe were very fit and active and working on the tools and then they'd end up kind of being more behind the desk and they'd end up putting a bit of weight on and you know unfortunately then I'd see maybe them have a bit of a you know an issue with their health and I was I I knew this was connected to food in my gut um excuse the pun but in my gut I knew it was connected and I wanted to study why and that was kind of my driver. So I, ha- I don't come from a, a kind of ill health for myself, but it was that wanting to understand what I intricately int- knew was correct, but didn't didn't know how to articulate it and didn't know why. And that was the start of the kind of nutrition journey. Um, I'm now studying to be a naturopathic nutritionist, which was a whole other kettle of fish, but loving it. So a real kind of thirst for knowledge, which was quite different to what I'd been doing previously, to be honest. Well, and it's lovely. And I think... I think what I love the most about your answer is you realized your heart had left the family business and you were yearning for the passion and your husband saying, take the time, take the space. And I think you're a lifelong learner by the sounds of it and doing the home renovation and taking the nutritional course is your emotional agility. You need to keep learning. And it's just lovely how it organically evolved to bring you into that next level of your leadership and the trajectory of what you're doing now in your own business. So I want the listeners to really hear and lean into that, that if your gut, as you, as you alluded to, if you're getting that gut feeling, don't be afraid to make the shift. And sometimes we have to still make a living while we're working on our legacy for those who are listening that might be single and think, well, how can I, I, I do that. It was easy for Wendy because she had her husband there's always a will when there's a way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was scary. I mean, actually, um, you know, the, the tide has, you know, the tables have turned, but I was always kind of the, the breadwinner. I, I, I was the pr- predominant income. So that was a bit scary. And okay, yeah, I did have a business and I, and I did actually negotiate a sale. So I had that kind of financial backing, but that was a huge shift for me to actually go from kind of being very independent and kind of earning up, you know, nice space. Thank you very much to not earning anything and being a student. And it is about taking that leap of faith because I'm so much happier now. Um, you know, and I feel really fortunate that I was, that I was given that opportunity. Um, and I'm still not earning hardly any money, but I'm loving what I do. And, you know, there is, there is always that balance, but yeah, I, I am much more fulfilled now than I was for, you know, I, I love the job to start with, but it, I grew out of it. And yeah, it is, it is, like you said, a leap of faith and kind of, you will manage, you will work it out. But that was kind of one of the scariest things for me was, was no longer being independent. I was a very independent woman and to then suddenly be relying on my husband to be paying the bills was, was a bit of a shock actually. Well, and it's, and it's hard, but it's, it's part of our marriage vows. That's the, yes, you know, yeah. for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, <laughs> we're, we're honoring that. But what I loved is you didn't let your ego succumb to your passion. No, that's no. beautiful. And, and, you know, when do we ever grow without discomfort? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and actually, 
conversely, it's been good for my husband because, you know, it's his, his business has actually really grown since. Uh, so yeah, yeah, like you said, it, it is, um, you know, for richer or for poorer, but um, when you, when you, yeah, you can get comfortable in discomfort with these things, can't you? And it's a bit scary, but it's good to be scared. I think it is. And it, you know, it's evaluating on a deep level, a visceral level. What does success mean to you? And for a lot of people, including myself and like you, we don't want for anything. We live a great life. And I love to call that life by design. Life by design to me is the wealth comes from your health and well-being. Yeah. And I, I think given the global climate right now, a lot of people would, would jump in and join us in that kind of evaluation of life. And there's lots of people that I coach that have a lot of money and they don't have their health and everything comes with a price. So it's kind of nice that you decided to make a change and it wasn't because you had a diagnosis or you were sick no exactly and I could you know now looking back I can I can see the signs and think actually I was heading for that without really realizing it you know super stress silly hours and stuff um and I I was probably heading in that direction but um but yeah luckily um fortunately uh, managed to kind of change the trajectory before it, you know before it was too late really Absolutely. No, it's, it, it's a wonderful story. Now, my second question, all of the podcast guests have got, what imperfections does Wendy bring to her heart-centered leadership? Oh, how many? <laughs> so I am very much a bright, shiny thing and I'm a headlines girl. And so anyone that works with me, I've got um, a marketing lady that works, well, she does my, um, she's my uh, website that's the word she does my website for me and I've got a VA and stuff and they they just they know each other and they just laugh because if you if it's not in a headline if it's not in bold font then I, forget it I just miss it I am very 100 miles an hour and I want to and I want to get to the end and I'm very bright shiny thing and what new thing can I do and I'll start off a new project with with great gusto and get halfway through it and then something else will capture my attention so I'm very easily distracted and um, I could never be a solicitor because I just never read the small print. It's just like, just, just give me the main stuff and I'll sign up. It'll do. Well, and I think a lot of people would join you in that statement. And I think it's the cousin to being impatient, which is a virtue we all work on. So that's brilliant. Hey, ha, yeah. we can't change unless we know what we're doing and what we're exactly. thinking. So at least you admit it. So good for you. It's <laughs> been a popular answer just to make you feel good that you're in good company. Good, 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 good. And I think it's about surrounding you with people. Actually, I do surround myself with people who are much more kind of detail driven than me. Now I realize it. And that's a really nice balance. Whereas years ago, I just used to kind of surround myself with people who were very similar to me. And I realized that, you know, as I've got a bit older, I've realized that actually you need a bit of diversity. You need someone who's going to pick up where, where you don't. Every good CEO, every C-suite leader, it doesn't matter what C-suite they are, they surround themselves with individuals who are brilliant and articulate and intelligent in areas that they are not. And that's what allows us to lead a great team. So great analogy, great solution. And you can still pay attention to the shiny, bold bits that that draw you in, Wendy. It's so fun. <laughs> now, my third question is about languaging and leadership. And you and I both have a deep love for self-care. Yes. We talk about it in our branding with our clients. 
I talk about it as a heart-centered leading quality that leaders need to have and model, especially during this past year. How do you bring self-care into the practice of what you're doing now with your clients, regardless of whether they're working or not working? And why do you put self-care first? It's just, as you said, it's just so it's so vital, isn't it? It's the core of, of everything. So as um, a, natu- a naturopathic nutritionist, what people often come to me for is, is nutrition, is food. That's where they think it's going to stop. Actually, for me, you could have the most amazing diet ever. And if every, if the other things aren't working, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're too stressed, you're not going to digest your food properly. You're not going to get the goodness out of it. So self-care has to come first. It has, you have to understand that, you know, your body is amazing and it does amazing things. And so for me, I'm talking to people about kind of preventing preventative care. You know, it's all well and good coming to see someone when you are ill, but as an entrepreneur, particularly, you know, you are the most valuable thing in your business. And there is no point, you know, going a hundred mile an hour to get that big car and that big house and that beautiful business. If then it breaks. If you break, what happens? And for me, that's kind of the the way that I go, but I am very practical. And so I do understand that we are busy people. And so it's very much about, you know, I'm not going to say to someone, I want you to get up 20 minutes early and meditate and then chop three ton of vegetables and make your own hummus every day. It has to be applicable and approachable so if the best that I can get from someone is to maybe do yoga is their form of meditation maybe go for a walk at lunchtime it for me it's about small steps bite size and manageable I think sometimes we can make self-care overwhelming or it's almost like it's another challenge isn't it and I must do my self-care today and that then makes it a negative thing so it has to be something that's that's appropriate to the client and that's going to work for them that's really going to work for them. So if going to a football match or going to the pub to watch a game of football is, is what's going to work for my client, then that's what we need to build in rather than, you know, trying to think a little bit outside of the box rather than just kind of, you know, ticking those, you know, self-care 20 minutes and I've done my journaling and stuff that doesn't work for everybody. It has to be practical for me. Well, and it's personal and it's a mindset. It's not the bubble bath. It's not going to football. It's not sneaking the chocolate bar or wanting to have a bag of chips or the glass of wine or the girls weekend. It's a daily mindset and it has to have discipline and structure, but there has to be the ability to allow it to ebb and flow. And a perfect example of that is morning routine. I'm always changing mine up. And now that the weather is nicer, we want to get outside. So the sun's coming up earlier. So where we couldn't get out early before, now we can. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a checklist. It doesn't have to be so stringent and structured that you can't allow the ebb and flow. I think now with the remote working, I think if we drip the self-care from the time we get up in the morning all the way till we go to bed and have pockets of time here and there penciled in, I like to call it white space on the calendar. We need that reprieve. We need that time to think. We just need that time to breathe. We need to get up from these 
home offices and off these computers and sustained postures. And there's so many things we can do. So it's just like you said, letting go of the tightness of it and realizing if we don't put it first. Yeah. That's the dangerous, that's a dangerous thing. Absolutely. Now, my last leadership question is, oh, we could have a whole podcast on nutrition. (laughs) You know, the scale is a really hard extrinsic thing for many people. I always joke with, with clients and say, I think scales are for fish. How can people shift their mindset what would be your leadership recommendation to not get carried away with what's on the scale and, and the word diet and, and all the, the monstrosity that comes with, you know, magazine covers and, and news and the bold, the bold titles that you talked about that grab your attention. How can people just embrace self-care? So almost bringing a little bit of my last question into my fourth leadership question. How can we embrace self-care, kind of draw a a line in the sand and just accept where we're at as leaders looking at everything in our life? What's one tip that you would share with someone to move them just one millimeter forward without that self-judgment? So, you know, I'm a huge anti-diet fanatic and my membership is called Ditch the Diet. You know, it comes with that. So for me, it's very much when I'm working with a client one-to-one is about making one change, one thing, find one thing that you can action and change. Like take a glass of water to bed with you and make it the first thing that you drink each morning. And it is so simple, but actually it's a, you know, it's such a positive thing to do for your health. And then once you've done that and it becomes habit, you don't even think about that. And then maybe we can slot the afternoon coffee. And I'm, I'm very much about trying to add things rather than take them away. So when, you know, when you're having a meal, it's not necessarily, you know, let's say like typical British thing would be, we, you have these meals, deal so you'll have a sandwich and a packet of crisps and a a drink from the supermarket or whatever and I'm like well actually could we have a piece of fruit with that so I'm not taking anything away from you but I'm adding something that's more that's better for your body and eventually you'll make that change yourself you'll go well actually I don't need those crisps anymore and maybe I can make a healthier choice on my sandwich maybe I can have chicken with salad instead of just chicken on its own and for me it's making lots of small changes that are but thinking about you know how does this fuel me and how does this benefit me and can I add something that is going to fuel and feed me better and I'm not just talking about feed as in you know energy it's 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 deeper than that we it's really important that we think about the nutrient quality of our food we we tend to think in terms of calories we numbers we love numbers don't we so you know we'll think about the calories then we'll think about like how many how much protein is in there or how much carbohydrate is in or how much sugar in there and i'm kind of going well actually you know how how nutrient density we're looking at like lots of things like vitamin c and iron and and calcium and you can't count that So what you want to be doing is saying, actually, in that piece of floppy white bread that lasts for three weeks without going moldy, is there actually any goodness in that? (laughs) You can guess that I'm not very impressed with that white bread. And then swapping it with something that is, is, so trying to kind of swap into things that you know are going to fuel your body better 
And then if you're better fueled, you're going to make better decisions. But it has to be gentle. It should be slow. It's almost like what I want in a year is for your diet to be unrecognizable, but for you to have not realized that you've gotten there. And that is a very kind of complex and clever relationship with your nutritionist to make those little changes be achievable. Well, absolutely. And it's, it's small habits over time. Yep. And it's, it's almost like not viewing it or interpreting it as counterintuitive that you're adding something. It's like you said, it's, it's having that openness and that negotiation, but the mindset of small changes over time. Great advice. Okay. I'm going to switch to my fab four now Four fun (laughs) things that's sitting on the top of your mind. First question, tell us something that we don't know about Wendy. I don't like almonds. I don't like, yeah. So I don't like a lot of those healthy things that you're meant to have. So almonds are not my favorite food. (laughs) Well, there you go. Second question. What is your absolute number one favorite meal? Pizza. So my podcast, I mention pizza every week and I'm kind of hoping that I get sponsored by a pizza company at some point and it's still not happened. (laughs) And what kind of pizza? Traditional crust? Do you like the new cauliflower crust? You've got to give us a little more insight here. Proper pizza. So I like very thin pizza, proper Italian pizza, very, very thin. And I, and I don't like a lot of topping. So actually pepperoni is my favorite. And I will often go for like a vegetable one because I feel like I should. But actually, I really just like a little bit of pepperoni. Just a plain pepperoni pizza is perfect for me. Thanks. Pizza is the best. Is it Isn't not? it? Yeah. So this is a fun question and I'm excited to hear your answer. Third question. If you could meet your favorite chef and cook a meal, who would it be? And what would you want to cook with him or her? So I'd be very nervous about cooking with, um, with a, with a chef, to be honest. So maybe could they, could they cook for me? Not me have to cook for them. Who, who would it be? Who would oh, you love to who, meet? Who would I love to meet? So, oh, that's a really, so many, isn't there? I think um, Ottolenghi. So I'd love to meet Ottolenghi. I love, I'm really um, loving kind of sort of that sort of um, Eastern European feel for food. So Mediterranean food, being in the UK, kind of Mediterranean food is is, is quite close to our heart. Our heart. So, it, you know, we're quite sort of au fait with that. And then sort of Eastern European food is as really kind of like come into um the modern sort of diet the uk diet and we've got some great chefs but otolenghi is um i love his food i like the way he plays with ingredients it can be very it can be very complicated so i would i would be really worried about not getting it right but yeah i would love for him to cook for me and he could cook anything well we're we're gonna have to get that message to him and maybe he'll be on your podcast that would be cool wouldn't it let's put that out there wendy hill my last question is, what would you love for your legacy to be? I would love if they would turn around and say that I took the faff out of food. I love so that. Just, there's too much faffing about and worrying and stuff. And it's just about enjoying it. You know, take away the fear and the faff and just enjoy great food because great food nourishes our body and our soul. 
Well, and if we look at the last year and what we've learned and taken away from this global pandemic, it has made us borderless in every sense of that word, geographically, the internet, business-wise, and we've all had the opportunity to exhale, embrace cooking, people are baking again, everything from homemade bread to favorite cookies to things they haven't done for years. And something that I've always loved and I really embraced when I visited Italy years ago was the making of the meal, the camaraderie in the kitchen, and then sitting down and enjoying the fruits of your labor. And for me, that'll always be a favorite thing. So I love that you want your legacy to be that. And I think a lot of listeners are going to relate to that presence being back in their homes with their family and loved ones this year. Oh, I hope so. I do think that's one of the positives that's come out of, you know, of everything that's happened is that we have reconnected with the dinner table. um, And that's a, a wonderful thing, isn't it? It is. I, I'm grateful for your, your time and, and sharing your expertise. I'm excited to see where you go with your practice and helping people with their health and nutrition and wellness. And thank you for being on our podcast today. You're welcome. It's been, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. We are going to put all of Wendy's information below in the podcast episode description, including her upcoming challenge. Did you want to just give us a a quick overview on that? Thank you. That would be great. So yeah, it starts. So if you're listening to this on the day of release, it starts on Tuesday, Tuesday, the 20th of April, and you get to spend seven days with me. You don't need any special equipment, no special food or anything. And I'm literally just sort of sharing the seven tips that I follow daily each day I'm going to do one tip that you can apply so on the, I'm live on the nighttime in a little Facebook group and then you just apply it the next day and it's really simple but after a week you'll have made sort of seven changes and it's about again about thinking and reconnecting and you know just thinking about what what we put in our body and how we treat our body and just helping us to all kind of be a bit healthier so it doesn't matter where you are on your health journey just come spend a week with me why not hey it's easy to start and and we'll put all the details below so i want to thank everybody for joining us today if you love the show we'd love a rating and a review and i want to thank you again for sharing your time with us today this is deb crow on imperfect the heart-centered leadership podcast